0: Welcome to episode 47 of the mountain bike podcast. I'm your host Jonathan Lee with my co-host Stephen Lewis. What's up, man? Hi, are you doing we have snow? We are wearing our puffies today. We are wearing our puffies and we're getting the heck out of this joint. We're gonna we're gonna get down to Sedona soon Leaving tomorrow. Exciting stuff. Um, But in the meantime, we're going to record another episode of the mountain bike podcast. We have to.
1: Indeed, the people demand. We have to tell people how to prepare for these
0: things. <laughs> yes, indeed. that we'll Like focus traveling on that. for yeah. bike things. We'll talk about that today. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, uh, people can find more about this podcast at mtbpodcast.com mm-hmm. or on the social things. On the Instagrams, uh-huh. the tweeters. If anybody wants a downhill bike, a YT2S. Uh, 2S. Yes, I should CF know. CF Pro? CF Pro. And Look it's, at me. Uh, 27.5 wheels. Mm-hmm. It has a frame. It has cranks. Yes. (laughs) It's a, no, it's, it's a, it's a bike that my friend actually got in a trade and he has no clue what's going on with it. So he wants me to sell it. Anyways, if anybody wants a DH bike, let me know. I think we're selling it for like 2,400 bucks or something like dirt cheap. And it's a year old and it's in good shape. Yeah. So if anybody wants that, just, Send us a message. Let us know. Totally. Uh, we can ship it to you and stuff, and we can figure out the cost of shipping and all that stuff. Anywho. And I will pack it myself, Woo-hoo. which is a good thing. Nice.
1: All I'll right. even sign some of the packaging. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> you can awful. sell
1: it on eBay. <laughs> it was Nice.
0: <laughs> um, with that, Stephen, uh, why don't we just get straight into the news? News things? News team, assemble! All right. The first bit of news got a lot of attention on the Instagrams. There was a partially faked photo. That was released with mm-hmm. the with the bird. They freed the bird. They freed the bird. And they, they have freed the bird. Mm-hmm. And because this photo had a fake element to it, if there's an element of fakeness, it tarnishes the whole thing. Of right? course, yeah. And uh, people think that the, the bird has not been freed now. Oh, it has. But it has been freed. Yeah. It's been freed for some time. However, this has not been public. I believe it was freed in the San Luis Obispo region of California. Yeah, yes, I believe right? so. Yeah, yeah, for some time. Uh, but anyways... Etap Eagle, it's mm-hmm. a thing. It's very close to, to to coming out for all of us. I think. Yes. Um, we'll find out when that is. Uh, I have not. I'm not releasing any proprietary information given to me from SRAM or anything else like that. I don't no. have that information. We're just, we're just normal people. Yeah. We I just mean, pay attention to very specific things. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I. I yeah. Anywho. So, uh, Nino Schurter has been using it on his bike. Mm-hmm. SRAM pushed through some patents uh, that were for an uh, electronic drivetrain. Yeah. Um, that was a wireless drivetrain. And the shifter has a few different, like, configurations, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's got, uh, like, a thumb and forefinger uh, trigger, and another one that's basically like a little toggle switch almost, where you kind of, like, toggle it down, then toggle it up. And then it looks like another one that actually has buttons for up and down. Yeah. Uh, so it wouldn't be, like, the traditional feel that you get from a, sh- from a SRAM shifter. It'll be a different operation to shift it. Yeah. However, it will be wireless. Uh, then some guy ended up taking an... Um, a turbo Levo remote and putting it on the bars and then putting like a little, uh, Sram Eagle sticker on the top of it. <laughs> and on the third button I looked at, it, I was like, huh, I wonder why they have the third button up there. That doesn't really seem so And then I looked at, it, I was like, it's kind of different color. That looks exactly like a turbo lever remote. And I was like, no worries. It's still a thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that this dude, you know, just, just hacked that up yeah. anyway. So, uh, it's exciting though, because I think that that's something that will make uh, like TT bike cable routing is a total pain. Road bike cable routing usually isn't too bad. Not usually. Yeah. Uh, mountain bike cable routing, though, can be pretty complex. It because can of suspension systems and all that stuff. Yeah. So it'd be really great to do without that rear derailleur cable. Totally. So, uh, anyways, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch this space because I'm sure that you'll see more updates on it. Yeah. But what are you? Do you? What are your thoughts on the bird? I'd run it. Yeah. I'd I'd run a free bird. <laughs> free bird. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You remember I, that burrito joint? Whatever happened to that free birds? I, I don't know. They're I, all over Colorado. Yeah. I only went there once. I think the death of a, of a burrito joint should be mourned. Like, you know. Should be. There should be a,
1: a day of mourning.
0: <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's you know, the naysayers. They're like, it's stupid. You know, that really is, it's just more complexity for nothing. It's, it's a lot less complexity, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty secure connection that operates on top of the Bluetooth protocol. So... Uh, you don't have to, and I say pretty secure. It's a very secure one. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about things dropping out or anything. Uh, I've saw the first ETAP mechanical, uh, last week, two weeks ago, Yeah, last week. Nate, and, yeah. CEO of Traynor
1: Road. He yeah. Front derailleur just decided to stop working.
0: Yeah. It wasn't out of battery. Batteries yeah. are fine. It was connected. So there was no problem there. The lights were working. Yep. Everything was good. It yeah. It just wasn't moving. It just wasn't moving. So it got lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lazy bird, S- siesta. That's si- all, siesta yeah. bird. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but they're they're solid. Uh, it's a really good option. You can do you can trim and adjust really easily yeah. with ETAP, yep. which is really handy. You don't have to worry about cable snapping. Um, I mean, I think that there's a lot to like about it. And I also think so I think that it frees up the shifter side of things to be much more ergonomic. We'll see what they end up doing with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I think you could have a really clever shifting system. Um, I really can't wait to see the, the eTap hydraulic braking. That's going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. I think braking, they will <laughs> refrain from wireless. <laughs> Why? It's probably, I mean, it's probably a good idea between the reliability issues that are storied with, uh, mm-hmm. with SRAM brakes. I think adding a wireless component to that isn't exactly what people would want. It'd be kind of cool though. I mean, they, you could do it. Oh, you totally you could could. absolutely do it. You totally could. Yeah. Um, the, uh, much more realistic and something that I do expect to see is for the ETAP technology to move over to a dropper post and lockouts. Yes,
1: and sh- you know Shimano has had that mm-hmm. patent for what year and a half, two uh, years yeah. now. Yeah, and
0: they've been they used it a lot the year before last. Yeah, and then it stopped. Did you notice that? Last yeah. year it like stopped being nobody anything. had electronic lockouts, it seemed like. Yeah. But if you from be-
1: Shimano, I yeah. should say. But that's a, but that's because their new mm. dare I say live valve?
0: Oh, I don't know what you just said. Should we should we have bleeped something out? No, no. Okay. It's a,
1: it, it, it's a thing. It's in you okay. know, it's in R and D right now. Okay, it's, you know, their their live valve technology is um is being worked out in front and rear suspension. Ooh. Um, did
0: we just drop something here no
1: no okay. i I, people know about i've seen this? things about live valve
0: okay so people know there. about this
1: i think so okay I, whatever <laughs> if we get a phone call from fox i mean what are they gonna do dock our pay they're gonna fire us we can like hold it ransom we can basically say look look people <laughs> everybody at fox needs to give us a five-star review and every suspension component we ever need <laughs> or we're telling people about live valve <laughs> <laughs>
0: there we go yeah um, okay, so and I mean, I could see that happening. So, do you think Live Valve is replacing the electronic? So, this was electronic, but it was manual. They also had an automatic system that they were testing out for a bit. Yeah, there was um, I the, know, but, the
1: ICTD, yeah, yeah, and ICD late, um, later on, yeah.
0: But like the manual system was basically like uh, one button and then it would unlock the suspension. BMC has that thing that where you unlock um, it's like trail. Trail lock or something. I can't remember the name of it, but you, you end up pressing, like you drop your dropper and everything unlocks Mm -hmm. type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Which I don't love that idea. I want to have that separate. Exactly. But, um, the concept is that eventually we'll work toward the point where you have like formula one style suspension where it's electronically active, Mm -hmm. right? Hopefully, it works better than the brain. And that's it. Well, and that's, that's the idea. Not electric.
1: That's the idea of the live valve system. Is that it's there's basically a battery operated electronic accelerometer that opens and closes the front and rear suspension based on terrain. It's more like um, think GM with their magnetic ride control. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not changing the magno-coherent um, properties of the fluid. What you're okay. doing is you're opening and closing valves. That's in how your GM suspension. does it. Yeah, so GM they don't uses it. do have active a,
0: fluid. No, GM using. has active fluid. Oh, GM does. Yeah, and okay. GM
1: has patented that out to Ferrari and Audi and, you yeah. know, basically a bunch of other companies. Licensed it out. You yeah. licensed it out, sorry. Right. Um, but, yeah, that is uh, magnetic ride control is the fluid actually is an active. They basically charge it with voltage hmm. um, and they –
0: that would be sweet,
1: yeah, so, because
0: I feel like that would be I don't know, it could be wrong, yeah, but I feel like that would be faster acting
1: well, absolutely, it would be it would be totally faster the The difference is it's really expensive, I'm sure, and the electronic side of it, you know, charging fluid takes a lot of energy, and when you're it all battery operated, drop. you're kind of limited in how long it would
0: run, yeah, so, yeah, I couldn't just go down to the store and get that fluid either, <sighs> no, I'm sure that would be quite expensive, exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, because I think that the biggest problem is if you have lockouts that are reactive, mm-hmm. and even magnetically active fluid is still reactive to a certain degree rather than of proactive. Of but, course. Um, like the brain, for example, it just has too much delay for me. I mean, it's just not – Well, because it
1: relies on the inertia. It has to have the acceleration, then the deceleration. My physics teacher hates me right now. Hey. Um, it, it's a thing. Yep. Um <laughs> It, you know, it, that's how the brain works is it has to apply that acceleration, then get the velocity of that inertia valve, then slow it down. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go through this whole process before the brain actually works. And that's if it's fully functioning and doesn't have dirty fluid and, you know, any sort of marring on where it, – it, yeah. So it's that's completely manual, and it obviously has its issues.
0: Yeah. I think, that, um, I think that's the future of where things are going. And I think that the closer we get to getting electronic – Um, switches added in instead of mechanical switches and Mm -hmm. cables, I think that we're getting closer to an easier implementation of something that works well with that. It's kind of like a parallel um, development that is going to then aid that later on, Yeah, you know? So that's, if anything, Eagle ETAP is something that you can say, ah, things are moving in a good direction. Yeah. So you get rid of cable. I, I really
1: think we still need some sort of, you know, planetary internal hub gear set, I you agree. know, for shifting, or even some sort of continuously variable. Oh, like I
0: think, so we need cross tracks on our. We need bikes. Subaru cross tracks. They'll break all the time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We're probably going to be the owner of a cross track sometime soon. That's Sarah. okay. As long as it's not turbocharged, Subarus are great. Yeah, it, I heard that on the w- Anyway, let's not talk about Subaru. Let's continue to the next. I, news saying, I don't have my vape pen with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, next one is a bit of a, a, a shock, um, but I think it's a good thing that we talk about. Uh, Jenny Risveds is taking a break from racing. Mm-hmm. She's current Olympic champion. Um, geez, she won she won a ton of races last year. She's been with the uh, um, Scott Adlo team, mm-hmm. or Adlo Scott, perhaps is the better order of that. And and now she's had a Scott run, Sram. man. Yeah, yeah. and he's Scott Sram, yeah. yeah. And she's had a heck of a run. Um, she's been doing really well. Uh, she's had some. She had a lot of like crazy controversy going on with, um, an agreement that the Swedish national team had that we covered in yeah. length, uh, with POC. And then, uh, which once again, I think POC was needlessly vilified in this case. And of course that's coming from me, a POC rider, but yeah, um, I feel like they were, and I feel like it was just a bad, um, contract that, that was signed with the, with the, the national team that she had there. But anyways, um she had that she lost two of her or she lost her grandfather's very close together yeah. uh, and she was very close with them. And that was kind of in the middle of all of the
1: stuff with the that. national, the yeah. national team. Yeah. And
0: it's been pretty rough and she's been trying to rebound and get back to some semblance of where she's really, um, enjoying life, I guess it's been Absolutely. pretty tough. Yeah. So she's taking some time off. And I think that this is something that isn't really talked about, but the stress, um, that racers are under, that even racers at the top, like her, they have a whole different set of stress. I know yeah. that there are racers that are struggling to get by that have a different type of stress that they're dealing with. Yeah, um, but racers go through a lot of stuff like this. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, poor racers, because I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, don't pity them. You know, it's it's it is a pretty tough way to make a living. It is, and in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that riders feel like they need to be tough, men or women. They feel like they need to be tough, and they need to you know, not complain and they need to, you just know, brush things off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really good and a good example of her to stop and yeah. and say, I need some time. You know, and we always, we always go into the pink bike comments
1: and, mm. you know, find things to laugh at Yeah, this one. I really, the very, the highest comment, you know, who cares about racing just become happy again. Best wishes. Like that's absolutely awesome. it. Like Jenny needs to focus on that.
0: Yeah. I think that's really good. And, and it's all, it's really cool to see such positive comments too in there. Absolutely. That's um, really cool. I mean, uh, mental health of racers where we have such a unique I think uh, athletes have such a unique relationship with mental health because in one respect we push ourselves mentally to the point where we go through a lot of defense mechanisms that are that are that our body is I guess, coded to present to us when we go through training and we go through situations where you're pushing far above your limits, you know? Yeah. And so I think that we have this kind of skewed relationship with our psyche that we, we tend to ignore it pretty regularly. Yeah. But I feel it's important for us to, sure, we can ignore it to a certain degree. Um, and perhaps that can even become healthy because we stretch our limits. However, knowing when to listen to it when, you know, it's becoming, you know, unhealthy like this is something that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, best of best wishes to Jenny Rizveds, and, and it really cool to see her team and Thomas Frischneck to just say, whenever she's ready to come back, you know, if yeah. she wants to join our team, she's wide open. She's got a spot wide open, which is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, that, other side of worry that racers have kind of taken care of. Yeah. You know?
1: So. Yeah. So she has that support in her team, not, you know, abandoned.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or not being abandoned. Should I say
0: for sure? Yeah. Uh, last bit of news that we're all, Aaron Glenn was seeing, riding a prototype downhill bike. We know nothing. So, uh, and has, a prototype boxer fork that yeah, is the same as all other too. boxer forks Another with different thing. offsets
1: and trails and rakes.
0: And yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows what happened there? It still looks like it's a 30. Are they 35? It's still 35 mil. Yeah. 35. It doesn't look any bigger. Crazy to me. Why not 40? Why um, not 42? Yeah. Step Why not 50s? Up. There we go. Make, go on full on WP KTM forks. Just go on there. Yeah.
1: Throw them on. Or like my old- uh,
0: You'll from, just do front flips all day. <laughs> exactly. Well, way back in the day,
1: I had my old Marzocchi Monster T forks on my- Yeah. I'm totally dating myself here, but yeah, uh, my sorry. Schwinn straight eight. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah, Those man. forks were gnarly.
0: Yeah. So I, I mean, it, we don't, it, it's kind of pointless to speculate about that. Yeah. I'm sure YT is testing some sort of new frame Yeah, with Aaron Gwynn as they should be because yeah. he's the fastest downhill rider uh, currently right now. And, yeah. and, you know, might as well put him on new stuff. That's what so, they do. Yeah. The other news thing though, that we want to cover, and this, this is going to feel a bit like an ad, but I promise to you that this is, a, this is a beneficial ad. Yes. If you are into Enduro or XC. Those two things. Mm -hmm. So, Trans Rockies is an event organization company. So, they have single track six, Moab Rocks, a couple other events too. But those are the two ones I wanted to talk about. They have registration going on right now. I did single track six last year. Mm -hmm. It was the raddest race I've ever done for cross country. Mm -hmm. There were guys like me that were up toward the front pushing it through like insane climbs that were really challenging and then full on like down or full on enduro, like gnarly segments going down. Yeah. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. And then there were folks that were taking up the rear that were like cruising, stopping at all the aid stations where they had huckleberries that were genuinely picked right there by the aid station. Yeah. <laughs> like they just like, Oh, here have a snack at this aid station. They just grabbed from the bush. Like, yeah, that's good. So rad. Yeah. Um, but super cool vibe. I was blown away at how good the organization was. Yeah, when I would finish my ride, the shuttle was waiting, and I like the longest I had to wait was ten minutes one day. Yeah, like how does that even work? It's it's kind of crazy. Like I expected that part to just have their
1: logistical. Yes. Side of things just
0: dialed. Dialed. Yeah. Um, really good events. Anyways, um, for single track six, they're doing some changes this year. And I'm going to talk about those changes week after week. And, and I'm not racing single track six this year. This is just something that they've, I did the race last year. And then um, they reached out to me this year and they said, hey, if this is something that you would want to promote, sure. And I do because I think that people should do these events. Yeah. Because they are so much fun. Um, I haven't done Moab Rocks, but I uh, talked to Kabush last year who did it and won it. And he said he loved it. Okay. Um, he's going to do it again this year. So. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, single track six. Here's one update that they're doing this year. You can ride a race for three or six days. The first three days are all in the community of Golden this year. Golden Golden, BC, BC, not Colorado. Colorado. Um, Yeah, single track six happens up in Canada, I should say. Uh, And these folks are Canadian. So he says, including a brand new stage three, starting with a gondola ride into the Alpine of the Kicking Horse Bike Park. This stage will be a net descent with a festival finish at Kicking Horse. Nice. So they had, last year they had one that actually had a net descent too. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say that the descent was somewhere around 7,000 feet. Oh, good! It was awesome. How the, much climbing? The climbing was like thirty-eight. Oh, yeah, I could do that. So, like maybe four, somewhere around yeah. there. But the the, the so final day. the final descent was like, I think it was like fourteen or fifteen miles nonstop. Wow. It was amazing. Hmm. It was so much fun. Like wide open fast stuff that then would like open up into two track that was like tunneled by trees and you would just be pinned and there would be these water bars that I they're a Canadian mountain bike made water bars. They're like bros that made them cuz they're like perfect senders mm-hmm. over gaps. It was yeah. so much fun. Um, oh, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Really good stuff. Anyways, uh so they're doing that and I think that what they're doing is you can pick if you do the three-day option, you can, like, pick which days you want to do. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So then, like, if you're, like, I don't know if I've, I have the energy to do, like, back-to-back-to-back to back to back type of a thing. So you can do one, three, five. Like yeah. Two, four, and you six. can chill in between in amazing places. Yeah. That sounds – like yeah, anyway. So uh, if you guys want to do that race, let let us know. Send us an email. Mm-hmm. If you're interested even in information about it. And I have a discount code you guys can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a pretty substantial discount code. Yeah. So a uh, big one. So anyways, if you want that, let me know. Uh, just send an email in to mountain podcast at gmail.com and then we can, uh, get you set up with uh, the promo code for that. And if you want to do Moab rocks, which is a stage race there, which I think a lot of people expect it to be more XC, but it's definitely an Enduro one, but it's like a very pedally Enduro basically. Yeah. Uh, and if you want that one, I can get you a discount code on that one too. Nice. So tons of fun, both of the events, uh. I, these are like bucket list races. Yeah. So especially single track six. Even if you just do it as a ride. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to do single track six sometime? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe do the three option. I might do the three. Cause I'm th- I, next year. I want to do it again. Okay. Um, would I do it on a,
1: would I do it on a scalpel or a Jekyll scalpel with all the climbing. scalpel for yeah.
0: sure. Yeah. yeah. And you'd be fine with the scalpel. I would mm-hmm. say scalpel S E. Well, Is it depends if Cannondale
1: wants 120? to send me one just for that race. <laughs> but it, I think that's a 121. That's front. a 120. I feel like
0: that would be a better bike for it. Okay. Because I'd almost lean toward a trigger more than the scalpel. And one in some respects. Okay. You're a technical enough rider that you could get away with riding a unicycle. But um, but I, think... I can't actually ride a okay. unicycle <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm darn close to it. So, um, but uh, it's it's the type of this is an XC race where you have 120 millimeters on the front and nobody looks at you crooked. They're like, yeah, okay. That's, that's where you should be. In fact, you might want even more. It's like, in other words, this race likes to party and it's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I would be interested 2019
1: super Maybe. good food by the way too that's what you said oh. multiple times so that's good yeah anyways that so. makes me want to do it more because you know I'm i am I really,
0: really kind of wish i wasn't doing leadville this year and instead i was doing single track that's six like everybody but. who does leadville says <laughs> i kind of wish i wasn't <laughs> true um all right uh with that steven let's get into the questions questions question it's a ridiculous question false that's debatable <laughs> All right, the first one is from Andrew from Maxis. That's a weird middle and last name. Yeah, that's odd. <laughs> Very Andrew, strange. your mom must not like you. <laughs> it's actually Andrew that works at Maxis. Oh, um, oh yeah. He was listening in, and he had uh, somewhat of a correction, but it's based off of a rolling change that they're doing uh, with the naming convention. So mm-hmm. we figured that we would read it out, and hopefully you guys can get some information from it and some clarification. He says, Around the 2015 mark of the last podcast, a listener asked for a tire recommendation— And Stephen recommended to use a non-wide trail 27.5 by 2.5 DHF. Actually, there is no such thing now as a non-wide, tra- non-wide trail 27.5, 2.5 DHF. And this is why. He says, when we initially released the wide trail, the WT marking was not on the hot patch. The hot patch meaning the side of the tire, the things that you see on the side of the tire. Yeah, the actual silk screening, if you will, whatever. Yeah. Yep, he says, was not on the hot patch. We unfortunately assumed that the, the the fact that a 2.5 DHF would be the differentiator from the 2.3 DHF. Because they wouldn't have to say WT, right? Yeah. He says, unfortunately, we were wrong. In a running change, we added the WT next to the size to signify that it was indeed wide trail. Currently, every 2.4 tire, other than the 2.4 Ardent, 2.5 tire, and 2.6 tire. So every 2.4, 2.5, 2.6, other than the 2.4 Ardent. Fall under the wide trail mark as being optimal on thirty to thirty-five millimeter inner rim widths,
1: which is really good to know.
0: Yep. So if you have a thirty to thirty-five millimeter internal rim width and you want to max this tire, look for one with a wide trail marking. You can also honestly,
1: you can run the uh, the the wide trails on like the WTB I twenty nines as well. Yeah, you're that's what I do on close. the Jekyll, and I love it. Yep. and and I have to basically, I have to correct myself with uh dylan santos friend of the podcast okay um he told me to get a mutual friend 29 by 25 wide trail tires for his ibis ripley ls Uh. and i was like those don't exist there we go but they do now because everything 25 is is wide trail Cool. So yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, Dylan. Hey, you are the smartest human I know.
0: <laughs> he came by trainer road HQ yesterday. He did. Yeah. You guys rode trainers. Ugh. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. We've been doing a lot of that. Yeah. You've been doing a ton of it. Ton of it. Mountain bikers should like the trainer, dude. You they get really get the should. intervals done and then you get out and you can just shred. Exactly. Like seriously, I don't know why mountain bikers don't do it more. Enduro bros. Like why are you trying to do intervals outside where you get interrupted or you can't hit your marks? Like hit your marks inside in a half hour to an hour. Then get outside and tread. Exactly. I swear, I'm beating that like a dead horse, but people don't seem to Sometimes dead horses need (laughs) beating. <laughs> All right. From State Classy Park City says, just want to say thanks for answering my question last week about getting better gearing for my 2014 Epic, despite my local bike shop telling me I didn't have options. I ordered the TRS race cassette based on your, uh, on your recommendation and installed DIY watching a few YouTube clips. Fortunately, I was able to test it out on an SLC trail. That's Salt Lake City, for those who don't know. Remember mm-hmm. the movie? I think it was called SLC Hardcore. Sure. Anyway, you can look at it. was like the punk scene back in the day. It yeah. was kind of funny. Um, he says, fortunately, I was able to test it out on an SLC trail last weekend due to mild weather, and the gearing is awesome. Beautiful. That's good to hear, man. So yeah, um,
1: make sure, by the way, mm. just make sure your chain isn't stretched. Ooh. So always make sure that when you put a ridiculously expensive cassette on the back, that everything else in your drivetrain is good.
0: Good idea. You wouldn't want to
1: prematurely wear that TRS Race cassette with a stretch chain yep. or a worn chain ring up front that is causing stretch in the chain as well.
0: Yeah. I was going to say a chain ring <clears> too. <throat> just would, be careful. Definitely fit there. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. Next one is from Mike the Dieter. I'm not sure if I'm saying something that I should look up on urban dictionary or not, but hopefully know. I'm not saying anything too bad. I know somebody with the last name Dieter, so I didn't even think twice about it. All right. He says, Hey fellas, love the podcast. Yada, yada. <laughs> nice. <laughs> as an admitted fan of all things, Apple, do you see a place for the Apple watch relating to onboard GPS training? And mountain biking. It may be a case of I want itis, but as a noob to the sport, I don't see any immediate differences or must have features from one to the other. I mostly just want to have a device that allows me to track my rides and monitor my heart rate whilst leaving the phone and pack behind. Any help on this matter would save me and likely many others a headache.
1: Mike, Mike the Deter, Quit quit worrying about the Apple Watch. It's okay. It doesn't do things great when it comes to activity tracking. Especially for you know sports like mountain biking, yes. just get a Garmin Phoenix, yes, or man. a Forerunner 935.
0: Yep, the Forerunner 935 is basically a Phoenix with a slightly different body, yes, um, and then less has battery life. A multi yes, last battery life and it has multi sport features loaded in. Multi sport meaning oh. um, that it's triathlon specific. Well, so does the Phoenix. Yeah, but this one has more triathlon specific stuff. Oh, okay. So because that's what they're marketing that specifically toward triathletes. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, but I- if you wanted to use it for mountain bike. you totally could and it Mm -hmm. would be a viable option yeah i have Um, a few friends
1: that use the 935 for mountain biking specifically
0: it's actually what i want to switch to okay um i I think from your apple watch yeah and and so the apple watch is it's not a great uh for mountain bikers it's not a good activity tracker no um or it's a decent activity tracker, perhaps, but it's not a, a good GPS watch.
1: No. Even the GPS-enabled version
0: of the Apple Watch. Yeah. The newest one that they have is is better. You don't need to have your phone. It has some decent GPS stuff, but there's a good amount of drift. It doesn't seem to handle the data quite as well as something like a Garmin. Keep mm-hmm. in mind, Garmin's been doing geolocation tracking for a whole many years. They yeah. know what they're doing. Uh, so it's it's different there. So you'll get like some drift It won't be quite as precise. Um, they do kind of a smart recording thing too. So when you upload that ride to something like Strava or different platforms, a lot of the time Mm -hmm. you'll get strange gaps in your data. Uh, because the watch says, oh, well, I don't feel like a big enough change has happened in the last little bit. And then it gets stuck in this loop where it says, well, not a big enough change has happened since the last moment that I said, not a big enough change has happened. Yeah. And then you go through this like weird loop where it just continues to perpetuate. Then suddenly it goes, oh yeah, okay. That's a big enough change. And it's like, whoa, I haven't recorded data for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So, um, you get some weird things with that too. So I don't think that the Apple watch now, if you're like a runner, Apple watch is fine. Yeah. Um, but if you're a rider and you're moving at speed and you're working on really like noodly single track, that's maybe in an area like round mountain and park city where there's a ton of trail and it's all packed together, yeah, you're going to have uh, annoying problems with that. Absolutely. I want it to be better. I really do. I think that like the only thing that I really find helpful about my Apple watch is the fact that, um, I can take a picture remotely with my phone. Okay. <laughs> that's like it, man. Like yeah. I, I, i don't i don't like the notifications i don't like getting annoyed by mm-hmm. my watch all day um i really think a garmin's a better choice absolutely so yeah. so i have a phoenix three sapphire uh i'll
1: probably switch to a phoenix five sapphire whenever garmin sends me one <laughs> wink <coughs> wink
0: just waiting <coughs> just waiting at that mailbox for a while huh? yeah <laughs> gotcha holding my breath yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's a solid it's such a good watch so yeah um and I do consider that like a rep, uh, a valid uh, the Phoenix 5X I would consider a valid replacement for a head unit mm-hmm. because that one has topo maps. Yes. Um, the other one has like breadcrumbs basically. They can like, it can leave your trail on a map. Yeah. Um, but it's not a, not quite as good.
1: It's not quite as good. You know, my Phoenix three Sapphire has essentially the same maps as a Phoenix yes. five and Phoenix five S. Yep. Um, and it works fine. I've loaded courses and it keeps me, you know, there's, there's certain features of it that I really like, but it would be nice to have the full topo, you know, setup of the five X, but don't you don't just have, have to have big wrists.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I don't have beefy enough arms, man.
1: Yeah. I, I, do, I don't even so. know
0: if I can say I have beefy arms at all. Okay. kind of dainty arms. So, um, I can't run that. I can run like the five S which is definitely marketed toward women. Uh-huh. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, No shame. I didn't say anything. (laughs) He just (laughs) smiled. (laughs) Next one is from Art. Uh, He says, thanks for the awesome podcast. Highlight of my podcast list. Tons of quality info from knowledgeable, diverse backgrounds. Five stars. Thanks, Art. He says, I may be purchasing a used Yeti ASR. (gasps) Yeah, I think that he's talking about mine. I think he is. Yeah, yeah. He has a deposit on it right now. So, he says, my wish list, and I thought that, and I'm not just throwing this in because he may be buying the bike. I, I threw this in because I feel like this would be a good question to debate here. He says, my wish list would include an an Eagle XO drivetrain, however, this is not the case. It has an 11-speed 11 11 SRAM XO-1 drivetrain. In a previous episode, you recommended an E13 cassette for another setup. The E13 would provide the range I'm looking for. So here are my questions. In the past, I've had a factory-spec mixed manufacturer drivetrain, and I hated it. It shifted <clears> poorly, could never get the performance I wanted until I matched all parts of the drivetrain. Would adding an E13 cassette to an all-SRAM e- 11 speed X01 setup result in reduced shifting performance let's cover that question
1: first no absolutely not the key to the E13 TRS cassette whether you get the TRS plus or the TRS race Mm -hmm. is using a SRAM or KMC chain and I would always recommend a SRAM chain they seem to have way longer service life Mm -hmm. Um, KMC chains for some reason with me and it might be that I'm a 200 pound rider they seem to stretch more. In fact, I've noticed that. Okay. And I'm not
0: a 200 pounder Okay.
1: So so then my X11 SL DLC black that I have on the Super X 303 miles is showing over a half a percent stretch already in 300 miles. Yeah. Which is bad. Yeah, it's 0.75 a bummer. is when you're supposed to replace it. So it's a bummer. So I ended up putting a brand new chain on it yesterday and I'm sending it back to KMC for inspection and warranty but um uh, put uh, the PC-XX1 11-speed chain. Mm-hmm. It's the lightest chain that SRAM makes, mm-hmm. and it is also the longest-lasting. There you go. So it's a little bit more expensive, but it's a phenomenal chain, and that setup with the TRS Race cassette, perfect smooth shifting.
0: Um, yeah, and I can vouch for that. I've written a TRS Race cassette with that setup before. Yeah, it's so. phenomenal. It's a fantastic. Yeah. Um, then, in your opinion, would it be as good as Eagle?
1: I th- it's, it's better range. Mm-hmm. The only difference is... On the bottom end, in your higher speed gears, you're going to have slightly larger jumps between each gear. The top side, the TRS race, I really like the idea that they go from a 46 tooth to a 39 tooth, which is only a seven tooth jump. So it's a closer gap from your crawl ratio to your next gear, whereas with Eagle, it goes 50 to 42. That jump is a larger jump from first to second. That said, Eagle, it doesn't feel like it's a huge jump on any of our mountain bikes, but... Going, you know, back to it, if you're on 11 speed, honestly, the TRS race is just as good as Eagle.
0: Yeah. I think I can agree with that. And i use it. a range. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, are there any quirks with the E13 cassette that you could expand on?
1: The only quirk is installing the lower um, the lower seven gears or lower six gears, whatever it is. Uh-huh, the big ones. The, no, the little guys. Or the tiny guys. The tiny ones. Yep. So once you put the, the, the top gear set in and lock ring it in place mm-hmm. in with the XD driver, you then have – your lower set of gears, which are all machined out of one piece on yep. the race, two pieces on the, on the, the plus, but then they're yep. bolted together. So what you have to do is you have to press it in together, and then it actually, like, locks into place. Okay. The only thing that I've seen is there is – I don't remember if there's four or five lock tabs. Okay. Sometimes one of them won't – you won't get it on correctly, so it'll go on crooked. Okay. Then you actually have to use two chain whips to remove it and oh. then relock it in place. So you just have to be careful when you're putting the lower, the faster gears, the smaller the smaller cogs. Yeah. When you put them on, you have to make sure it's nice and perfectly straight and then lock them on.
0: Okay. I That's agree. it. So it's just it's take, not, your just take your time
1: on it. Just take your time. Yeah, and in, installation takes five minutes it's not a big deal
0: any issue with a nine tooth cog on the yeti asr negative nope none whatsoever yeah uh he says thanks in advance for your time and knowledge i I really think the e13 cassette is an awesome choice it
1: really is and the cool thing is if you wear out your upper you know the aluminum gears you can literally just replace those three or you know whatever it is i think it's three you just replace those and that's it and e13 is really good about that you know Taking care of their customers, so yeah,
0: they're an innovative company too. They really are. They have a lot of cool stuff that they've made, and uh, they have cool stuff coming. Yeah, and if you, so,
1: one thing I will say about cool. the TRS race, mm-hmm. more shift ramps, all the way around on that than um, than Eagle. So the for you know dumping off into a harder or easier gear. Yep. They designed it so that it actually has more ramps all the way around. So, so it costs quicker. them more in machining to do this, but it's actually quicker shifting Makes and more precise. Shifting. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, they know what they're doing, man. Yep. Uh next one is from The Biking Boy. He says I got a white T130 size medium. The frame fits, but the dropper post is too big for me since I'm a short-legged dude at five foot six inches. And he says I have mini legs, but a long body, so the frame fits. Or he says in the frame fits, so do I just get a smaller dropper? Thanks five stars all day every day. Yeah, get yep. a one twenty five drop seat post, yeah. or even a one hundred,
1: whatever works for you.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to put this one in here, uh, but that part's really simple. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to put this one in here because I feel like a lot of people mm. don't take into it consideration the seat tube height of their bike before
1: yeah. they buy it. If there's a kink in the seat tube, if there's yeah. a, if there's any sort of obstruction that will inhibit, you know, dropper post from dropping all the way in.
0: Because ideally. It would be great if all of the exposed seat post was just dropper post length, right? Like that would be ideal. Yeah. And you can set your bike up to be pretty close to that usually for most folks. Yeah. Um, Like for example, with my uh, 5.5 that I have, the Yeti 5.5, I looked at it and I'm going to have, I think it's four, no, three millimeters. Of of extended seat posts that that <laughs> like otherwise it's going to be basically the collar down to the frame yeah that's awesome that's with exactly, a one fifty drop the one fifty yeah it's exactly what I want right yeah uh, the guys <laughs> at Worldwide Cyclery actually ended up altering the geometry of one of their bikes because they ended up chopping the seat tube lower mm-hmm. so then they could get the reach that they wanted but still have that so I mean I, I just think that it's something that people should consider. Look at the dropper post, uh, see how much length you should have and the whole thing. And I actually think that Worldwide Cyclery might've even put out a content piece recently on how to find the right dropper post length for you. So you can check that out too. Um, But anyways, it's, it's, I think that it's a detail that's overlooked. Absolutely. Uh, next one is from Delaney. He says, "Hey guys, love the podcast. As a newer rider, I really appreciate all the info. Would it be possible to get some reviews of more entry level full suspension bikes? Seems like you guys do a lot of talking about the higher end bikes, but not so much for the casual or beginner rider. I'm curious if some of the brands like Diamondback are making decent bikes now, or if the bikes they are making in the fifteen hundred to three thousand dollar range are not a good value." Thanks Uh, or he says, looks like they will be in Sedona for the mountain bike festival, and I'd be curious to curious to hear what your feedback is on them and other lower price, full suspension bikes. Thanks i think that's what we're doing this weekend yeah we're gonna do a mix of everything diamondback specifically invited us over and they want us to test some stuff cool which is cool so we're planning on it the the thing that i'm worried about with sedona is just we're only two men here we can only (laughs) we can only ride so many bikes yeah and we we at least have to get and this these are not going to be long-term reviews no this is all going to be first impressions yeah just so that you guys know so and i don't want to hear like oh you 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 know You've only ridden it for this long. You can't. You can't understand the bike. We will be able to get a. We will be able to discern its its defining characteristics.
1: Yes, and that's
0: what we want to get across.
1: We may not understand all of its subtleties, but just remember defining characteristics. That's what we're going for.
0: And 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 I would say that uh, between you and I, I don't know of many more persnickety people and detail oriented people and people that can pick out a difference in 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 equipment or setup or geometry on a bike than us. And pretty much
1: immediately, you and I. can figure that out.
0: So, yeah. uh, pardon me for tuning my own horn, but I think we're pretty good at that. So I think that even with these short reviews, we'll be able to gain, gain some good insight for everybody. Um, yeah, hopefully if ideally we can test four bikes a day. <clears throat> yeah. So if that's the case, unless we, could, we want
1: to ride 10 hours a day.
0: Yeah. We could do 12 by, or we could do 24 bikes by the end. Holy cow. That would be amazing. Yeah. Between the two of us, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Just because there will be lines for certain bikes. And that's another thing. A lot of people ask us to like test the spectral, the new Jeff's like all of those ones. And which are going to be hot bikes anyway. And chances are they're not going to have a medium and a large for us to demo all the time. We want to, and we'll plan to, but the thing is we're probably going to have to go with different bikes. So a lot of people have requested, requested Norco demos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, So we'll be demoing some Norcos. Um, We'll be demoing jeez, uh, tons of bikes. Steven and I are building up the list because we have a long drive. We'll build up the list on the drive, but, yeah. um, how many podcasts are we going to record on the way down? I'm going to, I think that we should have a podcast episode for two bikes. So in other words, like one episode per two bikes. Okay. And those would be like micro episodes, but mm-hmm. basically what we'll do is we'll try to find bikes that are either similar or polar opposites and then try to, to, share our thoughts on those because that should hopefully, or bikes that are like in the same price category or like people consider often these two bikes, Yeah, that sort of a thing. Okay. We'll try to pair them. So then it's not too long. Um, and then that way you can listen to the podcast that interests you. And, and, well, I mean, you listen to all of them because you love all of them at the MTB podcasts, of course, but you know, yes. maybe not listen to the other ones.
1: Should we record a podcast of us like on our drive down or drive back? Uh, we could. That'd be kind of fun.
0: It With the audio quality, it would be a bit different. But... We could
1: get the little chinchilla thing.
0: Yeah, the chinchilla thing that yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, all right, let's go into Duncan's question. And I think that this is the last one. He says, guys, seriously dig your show. I've been trying to get caught up on all the old podcast episodes over the last six weeks. I feel like the only thing I ever listened to more consistently was Metallica's Ride the Lightning tape that was stuck in my tape deck in the 1980 Chevy Citation during high school. He I drove like style, a Chevy, t- Chevy Citation. That is awesome. Yeah, he wins some serious some serious points with that one. But while listening to Machado to ride the light news, <laughs> yeah, 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 he points on over points. To side B. Yeah. <laughs> for you millennials. <laughs> yeah, true story. He says backstory. I plan on purchasing a new bike in the next eighteen months. Right now, I'm on the 2014 Intense Tracer 27.5 AL with a 160 X Fusion Sweep Two fork in the front and a 160 Cane Crink Inline in the back. I do hashtag like to party, but I seem to be a much stronger climber than descender. Usually top third in climbs on Strava, but about the bottom half on the descents. So the question: Should I look for a bike with less travel to 100, 100, 140 to 150 millimeter area to support my natural climbing strength? Or should I look for a longer travel bike, 160 to 170, to improve descending prowess, and just assume I can use my climbing ability to pedal it up for faster uphill? I'm not trying to win any races. I just want to ride faster. Also, any bike suggestions? Mostly, I'm ride mostly local in Chico, California, but also NorCal destinations in the summer. Local terrain is lahar and basalt. Is lahar a thing, or is that a yeah. typo? No, it's a type of lava. Yeah. There we go. Magma. Um, (laughs) This is lots of square edge stuff, loose cobble and rowdiness. Thanks. Great podcast. Five stars. And I can get over to the computer after getting this baby back to bed. I feel you Duncan on the baby thing. Uh, what do you say? He's a he's a naturally better climber than he's a descender. Should he go for a 140-150 bike to help that climbing side of things, or should he go for a more leggy bike to help the deficiency of descending? Well, I think uh, that's
1: the thing. Is there's there's very different one forty to one fifty bikes out there. There's one forty bikes that are geared towards climbing specifically. Mm-hmm. Then there's one forty one fifty bikes that are designed to blur the lines on descending. Yeah. Um, A we know that I ride for Cannondale. Yes. But I think that the Trigger would be a really good bike for this guy. Yeah. Or even, I mean, he could go down to the camber. Yeah. I mean, there's it, yeah. there's a lot you can do. I, I think that if he's got climbing prowess. Yeah he might want to look at a 29er. I know I just told him to go for a 27.5, but But, if he was to go with like, say a Hightower, uh, that might be a good bike. Um, A Yeti 5.5, you know? So, I mean, you can go so many different directions. You can go 27.5 and keep to 150. You can go to a 29er and go up to 160.
0: Eh. I say that you pick the bike that gives you more comfort descending, and that does not necessarily mean more travel. No, it does not. I think that a lot of bikes have more travel, but they have a less stable platform. And as a result, a rider that isn't as comfortable with the sense only gets more uncomfortable. Absolutely. Because they're higher up and then they feel unstable. Yeah. So um, I would look for a bike and I know that this is going to sound, everyone's going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would look for a bike with higher anti-squat values and more travel. So something that's going to stay a little bit more. Up toward the top, but stable up there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Yeti has really high anti squat values. They're very stable feeling mm-hmm. when you're riding and pedaling along or descending in tricky stuff. They're very stable. They don't feel like they're wallowing at all. Yeah. Um, something with a slack head tube angle, maybe something yep. with shorter chain stays. But that said, if you're the type of person that you get, you know, like you're looking for something that's a little bit more Cadillac in the beginning, mm-hmm. I could even say something like the Jekyll. Yeah I could say because that thing is a Cadillac it just soaks everything up yeah. Um uh, or like something the like long the high tower Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah Yeah I could say a high tower LT um, yeah, that could be a good option too. uh, even the enduro from specialized, yeah. it could be a good option. Uh, the, the main thing is, I don't think you should buy a bike with less travel to favor your strengths. I think you should buy a bike that's, um, or I shouldn't say a, buy a bike that is a less capable descender mm-hmm. and, but a better climber to favor your strengths. Yeah. Buy a bike. That's a better <laughs> descender than what you currently have. Mm-hmm. And then just make sure that it's a bike that jives with your riding style. And it still maintains climbing prowess as well. Yep. And, st- you know, there will be two guys that are going to the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival that are going to do some bike reviews and hope maybe you can get some information out yeah. of that. I still say Trigger. Yeah, yeah, it could be yeah. a good setup. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Stephen, with that, let's get into the business.
1: Business. It's business time. It's business.
0: It's business time. All right, Stephen, this is timely since we are going on ourselves on a mountain bike trip coming up here should be very romantic A romantic getaway for the <laughs> yeah. mtv podcast yeah it's like in dumb and dumber we reserved whatever that that motel's name was with yeah. the heart-shaped tub yeah <laughs> some little philly break your heart <laughs> nah, it was a girl. <laughs> it was a girl. <laughs> Freda Felter from Cranston?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
0: dumb and dumber references, if anybody yeah. doesn't know. Um, but we are going to talk about bike trips, basically. Yeah. Um, we're going to just give some tips that we've learned uh-huh. over, the, over time on everything from, from destinations to picking your squad, uh, squad in all caps, by the squad way, Squad and you throw the horns and you say that so you transport transportation, lodging, routes, food, uh, the whole deal. Yeah. Um, we're going to throw this down and just share our personal things that we've learned. Hopefully it can help you guys. And if you have had any insights that you want to share about bike trips on the stuff we're talking about, send them in and then we'll read them on the next episode or, or some or an upcoming episode. Yeah. Uh, first things first, let's talk about the destination where do you decide. Okay. I was thinking about this and I think that. A lot of people just think, well there's Moab, there's Whistler, there's you know, insert- Tahoe yeah Tahoe or like they think of like the the, the, the areas that are famous for for mountain biking destinations yeah. Durango yeah tell ride yeah, Telluride. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fernley Nevada fantastic Kentucky um, but uh, if anybody is thinking, about this, I say that you instead just look instead of looking for where people ride and there's like a famous riding area, yeah. look for a spot that'll create unique stories. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, like you're gonna ride good trails with good folks, hopefully, wherever you end up picking. Mm-hmm. But places that provide unique stories of because course. that's what makes the thing memorable. Absolutely. Right? Um, then there's a way to make, and we'll go in and the, in the, in the rest of this, you can take a place that's, that's basic or common and you can actually get some very unique stories out of it. But Absolutely. whenever you're picking a destination, I just say, look for one that's going to make for the best stories, uh-huh. whatever that may end up being. Um, next bit, forgive me there. Uh, next bit is picking your squad. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a rule of thumb for this and I'd be curious on your thoughts. Okay. I don't think that you have to go with people with similar ability levels. No. I think that they just have to have a similar mindset. Fair. Um, Have you had any experience with that? Like where you pick or you bring somebody and they're like a really, uh, they either don't have a good time on the trip (laughs) and everyone else does, or have you been that person? No, no, (laughs) I
1: actually, I I agree with you. Mindset is, is huge. Um, I think that I have plenty of fun taking slow people to Downeyville on day trips. I have plenty of fun taking fast people. That's not the point of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just that you all have the same objectives. Yeah. Basically, you want to you want to have fun on the bike, or exactly. whatever else your objectives are. Absolutely, build skill, or or you know ride a certain trail, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Because I I think that these these riding trips shouldn't be about everyone riding at the same pace and just hammering and like you know it's it's you have fun as a group you know
1: and that's that's just it though so most of my experience in people that I ride with Mm -hmm. when I go on bike trips other than when I'm with you or with you know other select riders that are that are as fast as me Mm -hmm. I'm always waiting for everybody else I I'm not trying that's not a humble brag that's not like anything I'm just saying. I'm typically used to Downeyville stopping five or six times along the way, waiting five, 10 minutes for everybody else to recollect and you and enjoy then, it. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with that. I still get to ride fast and then I get to make a sandwich at the bottom <laughs>
0: <Nice>. <laughs> five or six times. <laughs> now I think that like people always are, feel bad when, you know, uh, they have to, or like you wait for them and that makes them feel bad perhaps. And I think that at least for me personally, If I want to go train, Mm -hmm. I do it indoors Mm -hmm. so then I can get my intervals done. Yeah. And then if I want to ride outside and ride really fast, I'll either invite specific people that I want to ride fast with, or usually I just ride alone Mm -hmm. because I don't want to impose that on anybody else. Yeah. But when I want to ride with other people and I reach out to them and I ask, Hey, do you want to go for a ride? And they say, yeah. Yeah. I want to ride with that person. And that is mm-hmm. what I want to do. I don't care about going fast. I don't care about training. I don't care about any of that stuff. Cause Absolutely. I get that done where it's done best. Like, and it's hard to
1: get that across to people and help them, you is. know, know that you're genuine when you say that.
0: But, but I feel like, and one thing you can totally do as a squad member to bring down the vibe of the squad when you are on these ride trips is to constantly apologize for that. Yeah. Don't apologize for making people wait. Yeah. Don't do that. No. Um, just be the guy that, that, You understand that and everybody should understand as they ride with a group that, you know, you'll wait at different times Mm -hmm. and everyone should be fine with that. And that's how it works. Uh, And when you apologize for it, it makes everybody feel kind of bad. And then it makes you feel really bad. And then you get down on yourself. Just that's what the name of the game is. Mm -hmm. So no need to apologize. Yeah. We're on this trip to have fun together as a group.
1: Exactly. Not to go. I mean, we can go set KOMs if we want. Sure. But. It's, that's a side project. We're, we're there to have fun as a group.
0: Exactly right. Yeah. Um, next, anything else to add on the squad? No. Let's get into the transportation. Sounds good. Uh, so this is going to be mostly North American based here, uh, especially, yeah. uh, United States and into Canada perhaps. But, yeah. um, I think that, so car is common. Of
1: course. Uh, carpool, of course, keep all your things with you.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I was thinking th- when you take a car and you go there and there's van life and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. when you do that, do your best to put the bikes inside the cars if possible. Now, if you're carrying a bunch of bikes and can't fit it inside your Honda civic or whatever, whatever else you've got, or your smart car, hopefully you're not taking a road trip in a smart car, but if you can't fit your bikes in or if you can't fit your bikes into the car, that's fine. But that is preferable to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like to put them on the racks if possible. Okay. The reason for that is because they get bugs all over them. Mm-hmm. They could get rocks thrown up at them when you're driving on the road and chip the paint or something like that. And chip a stanchion, that'd suck. Mm-hmm. Um, Or they get subject to weather, whether it's rain, snow, anything else like that. Mm-hmm. Or they get stolen. Okay. Or hit which True. would be bad. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have them or you go through the drive-thru because you see in and out and you're very excited and then you forget the bikes are on the top roof racks and that could be bad too. Yeah. Not speaking from personal experience, I promise. But yeah. um, <laughs> it sounded like- oh, it's a yes. thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, but I think that if you put them inside the car, it's a good tip, man. If you can fit them. Yeah. Um, just cause that way you don't have to worry about that. Then once you're in, in the destination, you can just run them on the racks. Sure. But when you're traveling to and from, I think it's a good
1: idea. So are we going to put be putting the bikes in the forerunner on the way if, to Sedona? If you want to, it okay. is going to be storming. Oh, it is. That's right. Yeah. So we're a lot. definitely need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's probably best. You know, last time I drove, cause we're going to drive through Vegas on the way down. Mm-hmm. Last time I did that drive in a storm we It was a heck of a drive. Okay. We ended up at a gas station in Tonopah that wouldn't shut off. You mean the gas station in Tonopah? The, yes, the <laughs> gas station in Tonopah. <laughs> it's a Chevron. Tonopah, Nevada. Yeah. And it wouldn't shut off, and it was just flowing out of my car, and the handle was stuck. Oh, good. And it was just flowing, so I ran inside, and while the meters just kick, ticking up like crazy over there. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck behind a trucker who's talking about his favorite brothel with a gas station attendant. And they're joking around about their favorite brothels. And I'm stuck in line behind this, having to listen to these two creeps talking about this It was kind of a safety thing. You should have interrupted them. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, I got a problem. And the guy's like, you can wait in line. And he's talking to his buddy, the trucker about, about this. His name was buddy. Yeah, buddy. I'm the sure, trucker. I'm sure it was actually. Yeah. <clears throat> and then once I get there and I say, uh, your pump is not clicking off. And he turns it off manually from the inside. He's like, all right. Then he goes to read me the total and I said, no, I'm not paying for that. And then I ended up just leaving. <laughs> so I may have been ch- chased by a trucker, but I was not going to pay for it at that point. That was okay. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I was waiting inside for like two minutes while these guys were talking about that while it was just flowing. Um, and there was a rule at that point or a law at that point that if it didn't shut off, you actually didn't have to pay for it, ah. which was, you know, I, and I don't know if that's still the case, but I verified this. Anyways, um, uh, but then we got lost in fog. And we took a wrong turn and we ended up in the middle of Death Valley, low on gas, and it was flash flooding and we were stuck. And yeah. then we somehow had to find our back way to our way back to Vegas. We went through like I think it was like six Red Bulls each. How'd you end Stay up in awake? Death
1: Valley trying to get to Some, Vegas?
0: Sometimes you go through a tiny town and called Beatty. And there's really foggy stuff, and you end up you going. You didn't take by. a left; you went straight. I went straight. Yeah, yeah. I did. Anyways, uh, this doesn't relate to plenty of folks, but anyways, I hope that this trip is a whole lot better, and we don't end up in Death Valley accidentally. It will be by flash one. Floods. We have navigation. <laughs> True story. Two, we both have iPhones. <laughs> this is before smartphones, so yeah. and we had to make it to Anaheim one, the Supercross race, and it yeah. was a mutter. Anyway, anyways, yeah, I digress. Um, <clears throat> the other side of things, aside <clears throat> from driving, though. And something that people overlook regularly. Which I think – I
1: know where you're going with this one. The train. The train is awesome. Like Amtrak – sorry, like – this summer, I really would love to do the Reno to Denver Yeah, because you can literally just roll your bike on and they have racks where you just hang your bike and yeah. you're done. It's awesome. And it's
0: $7 is the bike fee. Yeah. And you can be drunk <laughs> the entire time on <laughs> yeah. the train. You actually could. Yes. If, if, that's you, your deal. if you're into that thing. Yes. Yeah. If you're into that thing. Because you you're me, not driving. There's an observation car that has like glass that almost goes panoramic over yeah. the whole roof. Yeah. Um, they have like board games and stuff in there, which is totally cool. Yeah. Um, they have overpriced snacks all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, co- uh, pro tip on that get like a dried fruit that mm-hmm. you can have, or you can bring normal fruit, but dried fruit is smaller, yeah. uh, dried fruit. You can get some jerky, mm-hmm. some good jerky, no yeah. cheap stuff. Yeah. Go for the good jerky. And then if you get something like, um, I don't know, granola clusters or something like that, and you've got a sweet setup, man, yeah. and you can snack away, have some cliff bars and you've got your meals that you need. Anyways, that's what I did. Yeah, And I took the train <laughs> just to salt Lake. Um, Granted,
1: you had friends there that were picking you up and shuttling you around. That's the only thing you have to worry about is ground transportation once you get to your
0: destination. Yeah, now you could do a <clears> rental <throat> car from there, right? And you can you do rental car. Yeah. Um, but the train is super smooth, super mm-hmm. quiet. Um, depending on the Amtrak you're on, it isn't. It's it's like riding a bus. It's not like you're like you know living first class life, but uh, on a plane or something.
1: But and even, chances are there's not going to be a murder on it because you're not on the Orient Express. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: nice, I like that. Good <laughs> reference. Um, but the cool thing is the seats lay almost entirely flat. Mm-hmm. You have a spot to plug in your devices so you can charge and you can watch everything else. It has Wi-Fi in a lot of cases yeah. on the train. Um but in many cases it also has service too because you're going through these areas that are like paralleling a freeway. Yeah. Um, in the West coast, you can go, um, from Sacramento or even from San Francisco or Oakland area. You can mm-hmm. go from there and then you can work your way. Eventually you can work your way all the way to Chicago on the Zephyr express. It's called, mm-hmm. uh, it's super cheap. I think that I went to salt Lake and I think that it was like 40 bucks each way,
1: which is awesome.
0: Amazing. And then $7 for, for the twice bike that. Yeah. I didn't have to put my bike in a bike box or Mm -hmm. a bike bag. And you have to
1: pay 75 bucks. You paid less for your entire trip than airfare for your bike.
0: Exactly. Um, it was awesome. So I recommend the train, uh, the train then goes from Salt Lake down to Grand Junction Mm -hmm. riding destination right there. Uh, and then from Grand Junction works its way up to Denver and then works its way across. You can also take the train North and you can go up, like basically parallel the I-5 in California and you can work your way from California up to Seattle, Seattle. And then you can even take a train that takes you up toward Vancouver Mm or across to Vancouver and you can go up into the, into the Canadian Rockies eh, up there. Takes a little bit more time, but it's still fun. It's awesome. I recommend the train and Mm -hmm. the experience of the train. I know Euros that are listening to this are like, yeah, yeah, we ride the train a whole lot more than you. Well, we don't in the North We don't. And I feel like it's honestly something that's really cool. And there's a certain, uh, nostalgic Ellen and almost like, a. I'm saying like a romance to the experience of riding a train. I'm I wanted to say like,
1: romantic in that yeah, sense as well. Yeah, it's yeah. not
0: like it's not like you go on there and it's like, "Ooh, like Lover's Island" or something. It's <laughs> not like that. I mean, it
1: could be. It could be, sure. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um but, they do have the family berth in the back of the train. <laughs> it's a it's, big room.
0: But more commonly you'll find Doris and she's playing bridge with her with her gals in the back, you know. Yeah. It's not it's not like a yeah it's romantic it's a romantic throwback to the old west totally is uh riding the train it's super cool i think people should look at it yeah that's it if you're flying yeah um you can southwest is relatively cheap i think it's 75 dollars each way to ship your bike i've done Um, it twice in the last eight months there we go and then uh, another one that you can do is alaska airlines is like 20 bucks i think or Mm -hmm. 15 bucks it's like super cheap for your bike um uh, and then Alaska can get you around the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Uh, you can do JetBlue, and JetBlue I think is $75 as well. And that's cheap flights and mm-hmm. it's around the, the West coast and you can fly to the East as well. Yeah. Um, if you go with United, I think it's 150 each way for your bike. Can be a expensive. Depends man. who you get at the front
1: counter. Yeah. True story. If you're, if you're a good looking individual, you might get a little cheaper.
0: <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the it's pretty expensive with United. Uh bike flights is an option though. Yeah. Uh, you can use bike flights and they'll ship your bike ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um they'll make it and you just have to package it ahead of time. Yeah. And then they'll ship it there. And then it's usually cheaper than that. Um it's it's usually definitely cheaper than the one fifty that you'll Absolutely. have. Absolutely. So uh that's another option that you can do. So that's for transportation. I'd recommend doing that. Yeah. Um uh lodging. Let's cover that one. Sounds good. Friends are ideal. Stay with friends. Of course. That's cheap. Uh, You'll get good times with good people. Mm -hmm. That's great and all. Uh, But if you don't have that, car camping. Uh, Some tips with that that I would like to recommend is... uh, if you have a car, like an SUV or anything else like that, mm-hmm. all you have to do is bring a sleeping bag and a thermorest and you've got your spot, man. Like, yeah. and it's like a good, it's a good option. for. And car, it depends who's with is,
1: you, of course, yeah. or how many people are with you.
0: Yeah. 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 Especially if the, if the squad is smelly, then that's bad. You don't yeah. want to sleep with a smelly squad every night. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that car camping is overlooked, man. Yeah,
1: that's that's what um, last summer when we did the road trip all the way out to Golden and mm-hmm. Boulder, and then back to Aspen, uh, we hit Moab, we hit um, Diamond Fork, Utah, we hit we hit a bunch of spots, and it was yeah. a lot of fun. And we, we camped all but three nights. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that camping is a good way to make sure unique stories happen, whether it's car camping or whether you're finding campgrounds. Yeah. Because, you know, camping just puts you out of the norm and it's kind of cool. Like it gives you some unique experiences. We ended up um, at Diamond Fork,
1: Utah. We got to camp at a really nice camp area on a creek and literally ride five miles up to some really awesome hot springs called Fifth Water Hot Springs. Sweet. Super remote, like 30 minutes from, you know, southern Salt Lake City. Wow. Not too far, but super desolate, beautiful. It was great.
0: That's had a cool. lot of fun. Yeah. So don't overlook camping. Mm. Um, otherwise I would say that, especially if you have a squad Airbnb at overdoing a hotel,
1: of course, if you, if you have the opportunity, it ends up being a lot cheaper per person. Totally does. Yeah.
0: Um, make sure that you talk though, to the person that you're reserving the Airbnb say, Hey, we're going to be riding bikes. Is it okay if we store the bikes inside? Exactly. Just make sure you ask that because I had a friend that did that. And then he ended up getting like uh, there was a stipulation where he ended up getting fined on his deposit and couldn't get his deposit back because he brought bikes inside the house. Gotcha. He didn't know that that was against it. So yeah. make sure you check with that beforehand. Yeah. I think the ideal scenario though <sighs> is to find a super host. Yes. So like a place like, so, and this is a hotel, um, and it's, it's a bit more costly in some respects, but it saves cost on others. Yes. But like locally, we have one that's close to the Downeyville region, mm-hmm. the, um, um, Quincy, Gray Eagle area, the whole area. Yeah. So the Lake's Basin area. hmm uh, it's called Nakoma Resort, N A K O M A Resort. Yep. You just stayed there actually. I did last weekend. Um they have this really cool deal going on for Lost and Found. It's a big gravel grinder in this region. Yeah. And they have basically like we'll shuttle you to and from the race, we'll give you a b- awesome breakfast that endurance athletes would want in the morning. Yeah. It's not like crappy continental stuff. No. Um we'll and then like Post race massage have massage too yeah. that you can do. Yeah and it's relatively cheap it's like 350 a night yeah
1: you literally just show up with all of your stuff they're going to have everything to wash your bike for you when you're done yep. they're going to have you know massage therapists that know sports massages they've got you know chefs that know their food and we'll get into my experience but <laughs> yeah. everything will be handled yeah this is different And almost worth it when you compare Airbnb or tent camping, being able to sleep in a beautiful hotel room and know that your breakfast is handled, your shuttle to the race is handled, your bike is secured in your room. Yeah. After the race, you're going to get your massage after they shuttle you back from the race. It's just everything. You don't have to think about any of it. And it's not that much more expensive at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, like you can save on a lot of that stuff. So if you have the coin to drop, find a super host hotel like that. Yeah, That's not like a brand or anything. I just call them super host hotels. Or basically, they're like bike-friendly hotels that are in regions. You'll be able to find ones that definitely do – catered toward the riders in that region yeah um and yeah like for us like nakoma is a good example it's a local example it's so nice yeah. up there
1: and the, the cool thing is for people in this region yeah one of the random things that people don't know about is sierra butte's trail stewardship is going to start doing shuttles for the mills peak downhill
0: Ooh, sweet because now season it's con- continuous single it's track continues. all the way through there's no more fire road and guess who's track.
1: and guess who's doing the shuttling for them as a subcontractor Nacoma Resort. Oh really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, it's going to be like that whole area. This is obviously localized, you know, for our region, but a lot of people come and do Downeyville yep. from all over the world. Yep. A lot of people come do the Downeyville classic race, yep. both the cross country and the all mountain. A lot of people come do the the lost and found the Grinduro. So yep. it's a good location for that.
0: Totally is. Yeah. yeah. I'd recommend it. It's and and if you are in this region, check out Nacoma. If you're not in this region and you're looking for in, in a different spot, mm-hmm. try to find that spot and if they don't tell hotels say hey you guys should totally cater to mountain bikers like this this would be awesome. Yeah there's a place called Nakoma Resort that does it in in the Downeyville area yeah. and it's 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 a huge success for them. So yeah. um yeah I would definitely pitch that yeah if you can. Uh next thing routes. Uh Plan ahead. I think is the number one thing. Of course, don't get there and then just say what do we, what do you want to ride? Yeah. And this is the best way if you plan ahead and from the very beginning when you're picking the destination, mm-hmm. that will also help you pick your squad, and yeah. that will make sure that everyone feels like they're okay with riding what you're planning on riding yep. or their options that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to plan ahead, Trail Forks is the best re- resource I think. Yep. MTV, MTV Project, Project is a there. very good one too. Yeah. Strava can be helpful thereafter Mm -hmm. in terms of seeing heat maps that I know that other ones have heat maps too, but the Strava heat maps tend to be a little bit more developed in a lot of cases. So you can use that. Um, and then I would also recommend calling bike shops, Mm -hmm. uh, letting them know that your squad is rolling into town Mm -hmm. and then also asking them information on everything else. Yeah. Um, because if you let them know that like your whole group's coming into town, they might have like some information that's specifically helpful for you and groups, which can be uh, a helpful thing to have. Um from there you can download the maps onto your Garmin's or your head units, whatever else you have. And if you're looking for a a, a tutorial on how to download Garmin maps, mm-hmm. you can download Trail Forks maps from Trail Forks that will go on to your Garmin. Yes. And then if you look at DC Rainmaker, Google DC Rainmaker. Yes. Uh Google, or I should say Garmin Edge Maps. And he has a walkthrough on the process of how to install maps on your Garmin head unit, yeah. which is really helpful. So then you can get like trail forks ones, So they'll actually have trails marked on there and you can see that it'll be helpful just in case your phone doesn't work, uh, but otherwise keep the trail forks at map handy. And with trail forks, you can download maps ahead of time of specific regions onto your phone. So then hopefully, uh, you know, as long as you have battery life, you can use it, uh, to be able to locate yourself and, and get around. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you looking at something here.
1: No, I'm just, I was just thinking the same thing, you know, same thing along the lines of, you know, searching for local bike shops to talk to, you know, you look yeah. at, um, a lot of bike shops now are doing what, um, the shop I used to run Great Basin Bicycles had online maps of all the local trails. That's a good so, idea. and you know, lots of driving directions to them,
0: um, yep. reviews on them, things like that. That's um, a good local plug. Actually, if you're coming to the, <clears throat> the Reno Tahoe area, look up Great Basin Bicycles website yeah. and they have a really com- a pretty darn comprehensive layout of all the trails. That you want to ride here. It's
1: a little outdated, but the thing is, Rich, the owner, you know, went out with GPS before Garmin and Strava and all that yeah. were really a thing. Yeah, and he went out there with GPS units and rode all the rides and got GPS profiles and everything before any other right. rider.
0: Really good. I used this heavily when I first started mountain biking yeah. and it's really good tips to uh, understand the character of the trail too and yeah. what you'll face. So yeah. uh, it's not just a map, but he actually tells the story of the trail a little bit more. Um, yeah, if you're in this region, check out great basin bicycles yeah. or just drop into the shop and, and talk to him.
1: Yeah. Really helpful. And, um, last summer I ended up going on a trip with my dad and it was all car related, but I still took the super X and my Jekyll and got mountain and gravel riding in and we showed up in hood river. And I was just like, I want to go for a ride. So I literally just Googled local bike shops, found mountain view cycles on Oak street in hood river and just rode down there and said, Hey guys, I want to go on a 30 mile gravel ride. What do you guys recommend? So they literally pulled out this binder with like, (laughs) you know, and they were like, um, What's when you, when you cover a piece of paper with the plastic Like like, laminated, laminated. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So they had this like laminated book of like all these different rides with GPS profiles and they're like, Oh, what's your riding style? What do you, you know, what's your endurance level, blah, blah, blah. You should go do this. That's the type
0: of bike shop you want to find.
1: Yeah. The only thing that sucked is the ride that they told me was 23 miles and like 3000 feet of climbing was 45 miles and 5,000 feet of climbing. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think I might've taken a wrong turn somewhere, but it was still an amazing ride. And then same thing when we got to Penticton, I ended up finding a local bike shop yeah. and up in BC and yeah, oh, I love BC anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, last thing on this one that I think we should cover is food foods. Yeah. I, I think that usually what everyone does, is they eat a massive breakfast and they ride and they get super hungry and mm-hmm. then they eat a massive lunch and then they might ride a little bit more and they eat a massive dinner. that uh, basically sets you up to just have these crazy roller coasters the whole time. Yeah. I think that a principle that you should use is don't just eat with your three main meals, but fuel on the bike. Yeah. And if you feel on the bike, I think that that can be really helpful to be able to keep things a little bit more plain Yeah, stops people from getting hangry and you feeling like they're running out of fuel. And then they get into the siesta mode after they eat a huge burrito and they don't want to ride anymore. Yeah.
1: Nobody wants a hangry squad.
0: No, no. Yeah. So I think that if you're looking at doing this bike trip that you're going to do with multiple days of riding, that whole sort of thing, make sure that you bring a lot of food to be able to eat on the bike mm-hmm. and keep topped off that way. And it's going to keep everybody's mood more level mm-hmm. instead of jumping up and down. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you'd add? I think that's good. That's our personal experience. Yeah. So if you guys have stuff to add, let us know.
1: And I, I really want to hit home the idea of making sure that where you're going, whether it be a hotel or an Airbnb, you need to communicate with people beforehand. Yeah. You know, people at the hotel, whether it be management or someone who's a concierge or something like that, that you're going to have bikes there because yes. you had a very unfortunate experience in San Francisco. Brr, brr. Yeah. And you they know, broke my road frame. Yeah. Which is fine because it's a road frame, but
0: um. <laughs> <And> I'm actually <laughs> still riding it yeah. broken. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but you know, having that hotel you know, put a crack in your down tube and then be like, Oh, nobody touched it. Yeah. It was like that already. That's something that I don't want anybody else to experience.
0: And the reason that this happened is because the, I didn't check beforehand if the hotel, if I could bring a bike into the room, Mm -hmm. because the only other situation I had a problem with that was at the stratosphere, that classy joint in Las Vegas, of course. Yeah. Uh, They don't allow bikes in hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they didn't allow them at the, at the Hampton Inn and Suites in San Francisco in the Mission District. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't go there. And, uh, they ended up uh, saying, no, we can keep it in the storage room though. I said, can I see the storage room and how secure is it? You know? And they said, oh, it's perfectly secure. Only two people have access at any time, Mm -hmm. the manager of the hotel and then the shift manager and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, that sounds secure. And they showed me and it was just an empty room Mm -hmm. and it had some luggage in there. And they said, yeah, we keep some special luggage. If it's like you can pay to have your luggage securely stored Mm -hmm. and it can be stored here. And I was like, okay, sounds good. They didn't charge me to store my bike there, which was really nice, put mm-hmm. it in there. But then either luggage fell on it or somebody knocked my bike over and it hit something and it broke my down tube. Yeah. Um, and then they acted like nothing happened. So yeah. which just kind of a bummer. Yeah. But anyways, and that, that had no way of proving because I didn't photo document the condition of my bike beforehand. So. Of course. Yeah. So I lost on that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, Steven, with that, let's close it out with the tips. You don't care they're counting on your tips to live? <laughs> All right, my tip for this week—it's uh, going to be something I just got them, and this is—I I should clarify—I am now a USWE ambassador, so I should share this. Um, oh. I have to—I have to disclaim this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but USWE—we've talked about their packs before. USWE—they mm-hmm. have their no more dancing monkey. I think is the name of the of the harness design. <laughs> That's uh, it's a oddly term. specific. Yeah, yeah, very technical, technical term. Yeah. But. Uh, they they are incredible bags that do not move mm-hmm. on you. It is awesome. They stay put. They have that it's kind of like their X harness system where it it looks like you're wearing like a harness rather than a backpack. It's not a bro. It's it- <laughs> Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Seinfeld Um, reference. Yeah. But it looks like a harness and it like attaches and clips with one buckle in the center Mm -hmm. and the thing stays put really well. It has these suspension straps that like keep everything really taut on your body, um, but don't make it uncomfortable. Okay. Really adjustable, all that stuff. Anyways, I got two new ones. I got the Airborne three and then I got the Airborne 15, I believe, Um, or Airborne nine, I think it is. Anyways, I got two of their packs. One of them, there are three, I'm really interested in this. It's their smallest pack, really mm-hmm. low profile, okay. darn near call it arrow. Mm-hmm. but then on the back of it, it's got buckles and you can attach a little thing that would hold a tube and all of your spares that you would need to. So it's a, it's a hydration pack, yeah. not a camelback at
1: all other than when you add things to it.
0: Yeah, well, it's, even that one, you can still store stuff in there with the hydration stuff. So you could store, for example, you could still store your, your spares in there, but mm. it would be harder to access because they'd be in with a bladder, That's sort oh, of Oh,
1: gotcha, so there's so no this is just like an
0: easy access separate compartment. Got it, okay. Um, you could stash snacks in there, whatever snacks else you want. Snacks yeah. on things, dried yeah. fruit and Dried nuts. fruit, yes, yeah. exactly right, uh, foraging things. Um, but anyways, we're going to be using those this weekend, uh, the bigger bag and then the smaller bag. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm going to see if the bigger bag can fit three lenses, uh, my my mirrorless camera, mm-hmm. if it can fit the small pocket camera, if it can fit hydration, and then if it can also fit the small microphone that we're using to record some stuff in recorder. Gotcha. That's the goal. Okay. And I want it to be not bouncy and mm-hmm. everything else like that. So that'll be the most I've ever put in one of these packs. So we'll mm-hmm. see if it actually becomes bouncy at that point with a hydration pack. I'll bring my Skyline just in um, case. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but anyways, those packs are freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, check them out. And then I'll, I'll see if I actually got the No More Dancing Monkey thing to bounce. There you go. We'll find out. Nice. U-S-W-E-U-S-W-E. Hmm. Uh, Steven, a bit more about what we were just talking about? Yeah. I... <sighs>
1: I really want to talk about Nakoma Resort because yeah. we had a really, really awesome experience. Um so the the weekend started. It was a late Valentine's Day thing for the new lady friend and I, mm-hmm. and we decided that we were going to go ride the gravel bikes around Lake Davis because she just got a Cadex Ultegra and yeah. she you know is getting really into gravel riding. Really likes it. It's it's kind of the first step in getting her to be a mountain
0: biker. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a gateway drug. To it mountain is. Biking. It's the gateway drug. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we did a nice just little twenty mile ride around um, Lake Davis. It was you know. Some snow, some mud, some water. Very dirty. Very dirty. Yeah. Even a wax chain didn't last more than 15 miles on it. But uh, um, so we did that and then went to the hotel and checked in, relaxed for a little while. And we had an amazing suite. It was just beautiful hotel. It's a, the lodge area is separate from the famous, you know, if you, if you go to Nakoma's website, um, the lodge and bar and spa and restaurant is all a Frank Lloyd Wright design building, beautiful. which is Absolutely beautiful. Like just to go there, even for dinner, if you happen to be in the area, mm-hmm. do that. Go make reservations at the wigwam room and uh, a gorgeous fireplace. You know, like forty feet tall in the center, all sides open. It's actually a wood burning fireplace. Like wow. your servers are walking around and when it, you know, they're stoking the fire as they're bringing you food, and it's just awesome. it's it's really awesome. Um, so we we go there, we relax for a little while, get cleaned up after our muddy ride, and um, go for a spa appointment. Their massage therapists were phenomenal. You know, they, they know mountain bikers, they know road bikers, they understand, you know, what it takes, you know, what muscles we're using and they know how to target those. They're just really good, really educated on serving cyclists in general. Um, And then, you know, went back to the hotel room, relaxed for a while and then went to dinner and I've never had a steak. As amazing as that steak, this I
0: could. This is heaven on earth. Dude, head.
1: it was so good. Like <laughs> I could literally just take the. It was a wagyu tenderloin, and I could literally just take my fork and peel it like oh, almost. My it was. It was. It was so tender. It was like shredded pork essentially. Like oh. that's how. Oh, was so good. Um, dessert was amazing. Everything was great, um,
0: and they're great hosts. So if people are looking for a spot whenever they come to the, the down or the lakes the, basin yeah, region
1: to the lakes from, basin yes. region, the whole Los Sierra, like mm-hmm. check them out. They are awesome. Like it was awesome. such a great experience and,
0: and this is not paid or anything to no, make I, I sure paid, that I understand. paid for
1: everything for yeah. this
0: weekend yeah. and it was, it, I will go back. I don't even think they know this, this podcast exists, but we just, we just like it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's how it so. goes. Um, anywho, uh, awesome tip, man. Yeah. I like it. Uh, for that, that it covers it for this week. We're headed to Sedona. Stay tuned for that content, and go to mtbpodcast.com In the meantime, hey, wait Check a minute. Out. Oh yeah, did we get stickers on the site yet? Oh no, you. Yeah. I need to tonight. Okay. I well, need to tonight. You know what? Yeah. We're
1: getting to Sedona. Let's just take a bunch with us.
0: Yeah, and then we can, you yeah. know, I hand to take them out pictures for cash. I need to take. Well, no, people need to buy them. I know um, that cashes. We're handing out for cash. Oh, they, oh gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll yeah. trade
1: them paper for stickers.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, they'll be up on the site. Yes, People will. will be able to see them. Um, I just need to get some pictures of them, you know? Of course. Like sort of... Anywho, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you Have soon. Have a nice day. Hey, guys. Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro... Comes from Wave Riders Entertainment. My good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.